From WUSC-FM and HC1 Columbia, I'm Flynn Snyder. And I'm Trey Martin. This is Hot Topics from WUSC News. Coming up, we'll break down the latest feud between Tory Lanez and Megan Thee Stallion, two big-name rap artists. The wild allegations both are throwing at each other. We'll discuss everything ahead. Plus, a new documentary and a mural is out, showcasing the history of Columbia's Waverly neighborhood. We'll talk about the story of the mural and how the artist wants to showcase the neighborhood. And we'll talk about last night's fiery first presidential debate. We're recapping the good, the bad, and the downright ugly ahead. We're discussing it all. That's coming up this week on Hot Topics. First, the news. Live from WSC News, I'm Tyler Fedor. Governor Henry McMaster today approved the use of $5 million to buy electronic poll books, which aim to speed up the voting process. The e-poll books, which usually come in the form of a laptop or tablet, replace the old paper poll books and show a list of eligible voters and other relevant details. These devices aim to speed things up through a number of functions, allowing voting station managers to have the data at their fingertips instead of scanning through a book. Some e-poll books it can even allow for same-day registration, at least in the states where that is allowed. Other functions include showing a voter's correct lo- voting location, producing turnout numbers and a list of who has voted, and scanning a driver's license to pull up a voter's information. Precincts in South Carolina are expected to have at least two e-poll books and might even stick around after the pandemic. The devices are on their way to polls now, and poll workers will be learning how to use them in the coming weeks. Amy Coney Barrett has continued her way through the confirmation process as she has made a visit to Capitol Hill today. WSC's Ward Jollis reports. President Trump's Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett received high praise from GOP senators on Tuesday during her visit to Capitol Hill. Barrett met with big-name GOP lawmakers like Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham as the Republican-led Senate pushes forward for a quick confirmation process ahead of the November election. Barrett's nomination was also a topic during the debate last night between Trump and Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden. Biden, who insists that senators should wait until after the election for a confirmation vote, pointed to the fact that thousands of people across the country have already started voting for a new Congress and that they should have a say in who's nominated. Trump, drawing upon the previous words of the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, said that he serves a four-year, not three-year term, and should be allowed to appoint a justice to the court now. Or Jalis, WUSC News. President Donald Trump and Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden went toe-to-toe last night in the first national debate before the presidential election in November. WSC's Sarah Kudak-Jeffries reports. Last night, President Donald Trump and Democratic nominee Joe Biden debated for the first time. They discussed the coronavirus, the economy, race relations, and the Supreme Court. Trump's performance has been criticized by members of both parties. President persistently interrupted Biden, refused to denounce white supremacy, and defended his claim that mail-in ballots are fraudulent. Today, the Commission on Presidential Debates announced that it would add additional structure to the remaining debates, saying that more orderly discussion is needed. According to the Washington Post, Biden leads Trump by eight points nationally, 51 of 43 percent. This is Sarah Hudak-Jeffrey with WSC News. The Dow Jones Industrial Average rose 329 points today. The Nasdaq rose 82 points, and the S&P 500 rose 27 points. It's currently 73 degrees outside with a low of 55 tonight. The high for tomorrow is 80 degrees with a low of 55 as well. 
I'm Tyler Fedor, and you're listening to WSC News. It's First 6.05. First up, mass up, Gamecocks. I'm University of South Carolina student body president, Izzy Rushton. And I'm President Bob Caslin. Let's prevent the spread of COVID-19. Keep your distance, no matter the location. Get tested. Wash your hands. Wear face coverings. In class and on campus, in restaurants, and in every social setting around Columbia. And take the I Pledge Columbia promise. We are Gamecocks, so spurs up. Masks up, Gamecocks. We'll We'll get get through through this this together. together. And welcome to another episode of Hot Topics here from WUSC News. I'm Flynn Snyder. And I'm Trey Martin. Trey, how's it going today? I'm doing good, uh, as good as I can after the craziness of last night. What the heck happened? We are going to break that down all a little bit later in the show. But we have some other craziness to talk about first. A I, lot more pressing matter. <laughs> yes, the, this show, it's called Hot Topics, and we kind of have a general, you know, a, a general approach to it, you know. It, it's a very general title, uh, and we're keeping things very general, very general. on this episode today. So we're going to first take things to uh, the rap world, uh, where if you uh, know uh, anything about the rap world, you know that there is a beef going on between two famous rappers, Tory Lanez and Megan The Stallion. Yes, that's Megan The Stallion with two E's, not Megan The Stallion, no, Megan the, the, the Stallion. By the way, Meg, if you're listening to this, call me. Um, Which she is, obviously. <laughs> hopefully. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of drama to unfold in this. So, um, Tory Lanez um, is a popular rapper who over quarantine uh, was um, getting a lot of publicity because he was going on his Instagram Live uh, with other celebrities um, at home. They were kind of just hanging out. They'd have thousands of viewers, um, and and it was kind of just a way to see these celebrities hanging out. And one of the celebrities that he hung out with was Megan Thee Stallion, uh, two, uh, like I said, big members in the rap community. Um, so then in early August, um, a report came out that Megan the Stallion, I'm just going to refer to her as Megan right. from now on, that, that Megan uh, went to the hospital um, and she was kind of involved in um, something with the police. There weren't many details at first, but uh, it was reported by TMZ that Tory Lanes was present with Megan um, at, at the time that she was taken to the hospital for what they said was a cut in her foot. Mm. Uh, it came out later that there were actually bullets uh, found in her foot that had to be removed. So she suffered a gunshot wound, and this has since been confirmed by her, um, as well as the hospital and her management and everything. Um, so they did not really know who did it at first, but Tory Lanes was arrested the same time, the same weekend that this event that Meg cut her foot. Mm-hmm. So everybody was kind of like, they've been hanging out. He got arrested. She cut her foot. There's got to be something right. going on here. So then it, it turns out uh, Megan Thee Stallion went on her Instagram and accused Tory Lanes of being the one who shot her mm-hmm. um, after the fact. And since then, it's become this huge war of he said, she said. Uh, but um, if you have been following the hip-hop world, Megan Thee Stallion has uh, specifically in the last year really taken a rise to fame. Oh, yeah. Um, she She's young. She's got a lot of uh, songs on, on the top 40. Um, she's got a lot going for her. And, yeah. and uh, she... I think a lot of people see her as a as a role model too, 
Um, so they, this is a, a very serious subject for her fans. Um, thankfully, she is okay now. She, uh, from what I know, she doesn't have any like long-term effects from this, but uh, a very scary situation. Uh, but recently, this was just reported yesterday, uh, to add even more drama into this story, um, it was reported that Tory Lanez, his, his team, his management, faked an email from Megan the Stallion's management that was set up as a press release. So uh, Meg is, um, I think she's with, it says 300 Entertainment, 300 mm. Entertainment, um, and Kevin Leong is her um, head creative for her label. They faked an email with his name and they sent it to multiple news stations saying like, hey, uh, we're with 300 Entertainment and Meg is not going to testify against Tory Lanez uh, and we just wanted you to know that. And then 300 Entertainment got hold of that and was like, that's not true at all. We mm. didn't send that email out. So now they're accusing him of, of faking this email. And I know that's just such a mess. And I, if you're... Are you confused right now? Very. Yes and no. Not that you did a bad job of explaining that, but that just the whole story in general is so convoluted. And then also, apparently, supposedly, allegedly, TMZ got a hold of this video of somebody who they claim is Megan Thee Stallion getting out of a car with, you know, blood trails and limping, you know, behind her and everything. So, uh, yeah, definitely an interesting, uh, an interesting story there. Um, a lot more to unfold and will be because, as you said, Megan Thee Stallion Huge following, huge, huge following. She, I think she's had one of the biggest 2020 of any artist out there. She's got that song with Cardi B. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. You know, we're not going to say it on air, but, right. you know, she is everywhere right now. And uh, she's definitely got a lot of clout. So if she says something, people are definitely going to be behind it. And all of her fans are definitely going to try to get to the bottom of this 100%. And I was just thinking about the whole, like, faking an email. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a totally regular person. I would never You're do famous, that. Trey. You're I, I'm a regular person. I would never do that to another regular person. Right. I, why would a celebrity do that to another celebrity? I think like it's do, all about brand and image. Do like, you just you know? were you thinking you weren't going to get caught? They right. were like they were like, oh wait, we actually did say that. We actually are not going to tell. Like, yeah. what did you think was going to yeah. happen? It, I think they just were like kind of like, oh darn, like we're really in a, a corner here almost, and we just got to do something to try to get us out of it. And you know, the cover up was worse than the crime almost. So you know. They just are getting themselves into more hot water as the more and more they do. Oh, yeah. Well, Flynn, take us to some good news, please. Yeah, let's get some really good news in here. Uh, sandwich in the good news in today's show. Um, there's a really cool uh, new mural that has just been debuted in the Waverly neighborhood of Columbia. Uh, recently, uh, an artist by the name of Keith Tolan revealed a uh, new mural that kind of encapsulates the whole essence of the Waverly Historic Neighborhood. It was one of the first established neighborhoods um, in Columbia, and it kind of wanted to showcase the generational shift of the neighborhood um, and kind of just highlight a lot of the accomplishments from some of the people who have lived there in the past. Uh, so what we're going to do right now is we're actually going to play you guys a little clip from that uh documentary that was accompanying the premiere of the mural and then we'll talk about it a little more on the flip side art it has the power to impact what we do and how we do it and i think public art just brings that right down to the core to the purpose to the people to the to, to every individual it makes it totally accessible because of that 
I think public art can be used in a way to bring meaning to places that we take for granted. Yeah, so pretty cool documentary. I was watching it a little bit before the show, and like, it's very well produced. Like, it looks really good. Um, it's kind of crazy. They start out the documentary with them kind of showing images of like rushing water, dams, and oceans, and they kind of compare Waverly to, they call it the wave, and they call it the wave, and kind of just the generational turn of the tide that has happened in that neighborhood and just showcasing the, uh, you know, the, the change that has happened in the neighborhood for the better. Um, the uh, mural was sponsored by uh, Mayor of Columbia, Steve Benjamin, um, and so it's gotten a lot of traction, and, uh, you know, you watch the documentary, and a lot of people in the neighborhood are really surprised when the city really got behind this project, you know? Um, so it's just really cool to see. Um, the mural was finished a few weeks ago, and uh, it's on Gervais Street at the Free Times building, uh, which is owned by the Post and Courier. So right there, uh, on and Five Points, right there. Yes, I just had it pulled up. It's uh, the Waverly neighborhood is, uh, looks like, kind of around the intersection of Hardin Street and Gervais yeah, Street. Yeah, so right there um, where they built that whole new shell complex the other, mm -hmm. um, the other year. So really cool uh, piece of art, and it's really colorful. Um, and just, again, like some more public art that's been popping up around Columbia all over the place. Yes, and um, it's something I believe that the Free Times building is located like right on that corner. Mm -hmm. So you could just be driving by. Um, you don't even have to get out of your car. Uh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet myself, but uh, I'm assuming that you wouldn't have to get out of your car to see it. You could just drive by and, and, it'd, and it'd be right there. Yeah. But um, I, I think it's so cool how there are so many of these like historic neighborhoods in Columbia that yeah um, I've lived here my whole life and I have not heard that this was like a, a very historic area it's right over around Benedict College um, yeah. and Allen University over there as well so um, obviously there there's a lot of history over there in that area absolutely and it, yeah it was just very cool them talking about the generational turn of the tide so they say there was a guy featured in that documentary that he was actually born at a hospital that is now closed in the waverly area so he's been here basically all his life and he's just kind of talking about the change that he's seen and how that's manifested through the mural itself so really interesting piece of art definitely go check it out if you would like and where can i check out this documentary you can find it on facebook it's the one columbia's facebook page so make sure to check that out there Interesting. Yeah, very that, well done. And the documentary is only six minutes, so it takes up zero time to watch. Oh, yeah. I'm going to do that like as soon as we get done. Yeah. That really sounds cool. interesting. But, Trey, we have a lot more show before you can do that. Why don't you tell people what we have coming up next well, on the show? Well, we are going to have our political correspondent, Finn, come and talk about the debate last night. Yes. The debate. The debate. It was the debate. That's all coming up shortly on Hot Topics. Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. And welcome back to WUSC. 
We got hot topics right here uh, from WUSC News, and right now we are going to be breaking down that debate that happened last night. What in, did you watch, Trey? I did watch. I uh, was at my house, sat down with a, a nice beverage, mm-hmm. and tried to take it in a, as much as I could. You're going to need a stiff beverage for that one. Uh, but joining us now to talk about all the moments that happened, we're talking the good, the bad, and the ugly, is Finn Carlin, WUSC News political reporter. Finn, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. How you doing? Good. Thank you so much for joining us today. So without getting too heavy into the policy side of it, take us through some of the most viral moments that happened last night. Well, I think it's kind of safe to say that what aren't the most viral moments that came out of that debate? If you find an overview story from one of the major news networks that have come out in the past 12 hours, one of the first words that you're going to find is chaotic. And chaotic it was, whether it what, And a lot of it just really came down to the insults that were thrown at one another from the candidates, but also the interruptions from each candidate, although the president was doing more of it, from Biden telling Trump to shut up and that he's a clown, to Trump saying that Biden graduated lowest in his class, not to use the word smart with him, to Biden telling Trump to shush, that he's the worst president that the country has ever had. But I think that what has really set this social media firestorm uh, from the debate was Trump not explicitly condemning white supremacists after asks if he would do so by Chris Wallace. Yeah, and, and put us put this into context for us, because there have been presidential debates. It is a treasured American tradition. It's supposed to be a free-flowing exchange of ideas between two candidates running for the highest office in the land. So put us into context about what this really means for just debates in general. Yeah, and I mean, with such a heavy docket on last night's debate, like coronavirus and Supreme Court, the economy, racial injustice, I think that one of the reasons why some of these moments are so important is, especially in context of last night, you know, it kind of shows a lack of productivity in the debate conversation. I think that a lot of viewers were honestly really annoyed with how the debate turned out last night because it was really more of a, in my opinion, I think it was more of a party battle between the two of them rather than an actual you know productive conversation especially to the point where they were constantly interrupting one another and Chris Wallace just could not seem to get a hold of the conversation um, and the talking over each other match that it just seemed to be at times and it I think all of that really just adds to what NPR reported earlier as the worst presidential debate in history and it will definitely be one that will be not forgotten very easily by the American people and regardless I think it's safe to say that these candidates aren't done with one another yet. I feel like from a a journalism standpoint, moderating a presidential debate is about one of the biggest things that you can do as a journalist. Um, And and so a lot of people are upset or or defending uh, Fox News host Chris Wallace over uh, what he did or what he didn't do over this debate. Finn, what were some of your thoughts about that? Yeah, so actually a CNN report came out very soon after the the debate, pulling up some of the most searched terms after it. And actually one of the most searched terms, uh, one that went up uh, 3,500% last night was the phrase, sorry, the word moderator, um, which I guess could speak to the lack of control that Chris Wallace had. But in my opinion, from a journalism standpoint as a student journalist, I have no idea what I would have done in his shoes. Because obviously presidential debates are quite a spectacle, but if you throw in a harsh political climate on top of that, you know, I think that it's safe to say that Chris Wallace actually did a pretty fine job maintaining his composure and keeping that professionalism in check. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's pretty fair to say from both sides, you know, Trump's bombastic, you know, nature and traditional rhetoric, like, so, you know, would be hard for anybody under any circumstances. Yes, exactly. I was thinking, I don't think I'd be able to 
sit up there and, and, and try to contradict the president of the United States with the entire world watching and, me. And keep the composure that, you know, they he tried to keep, you know, at, at most times as well. Um, so, Finn, talk to us about some potential changes that either are going to happen or that people are calling for as a result of some of the chaos that happened last night. Yeah, so the Commission on Presidential Debates actually said that they will be changing the debate format after the debate last night, and especially after Chris Wallace is not being able to completely have control as a moderator. Um, they haven't gone into detail, but many calls have been made to grant the moderator the power to cut off a candidate's microphone after repeated interruption. But something that I'm concerned about is would this would giving the pow- the moderator that kind of power upset party supporters, even though it could you know, I think really help the possible interruptions over one another that we might see, hopefully not, but that we might see in uh, the next debate. Now, I should probably read up on the fine print of the actual debate rules, uh, but I know that they had like a, a section, you've got the two minutes to make your claim, and then there is also an open discussion right. uh, section, uh, but it seemed like there it was always open discussion yeah. like there was never any time for one person to get you know their their full two minutes um and, and li- like we said it, it happened on both sides there, there were things that happened um from biden's perspective and there were things that happened from trump's perspective uh but it is not a lie to say it was far more on the president's side so going forward finn what do you think we can do? You know, what what's kind of your what's your opinion? Where, where do you think we can take this to get better? And you know, if if somebody is like an undecided voter, what what do you think they're feeling right now? Yeah, honestly, you know, I was reading up a lot of reports, and undecided voters actually feel more unsure, which is honestly quite the spectacle. Because during a presidential debate, I think, especially if you have a country divided where they are watching either one major news outlet or the other. Obviously, news bias is another hot topic, no pun intended, (laughs) that could be brought up maybe later on. But yeah, I mean, undecided voters just seem to be more unsure, especially after the, you know, after Trump and Biden each had their turn of interrupting one another and just not really being super prepared to discuss any of the major topics that were brought up in the debate by Chris Wallace. Um, it's, it's, it's a little nerve-wracking to, to know that people might not, how to, might not know how to use their power to vote that will be so vital in such an unsure election that's coming up. And something that I, I've heard floated around, and this was something that I thought of myself, you know, it, it seemed like it might have been Trump's intention to interrupt. That might have been his strategy going into it. Do you feel like that that's uh, an opinion that might hold some weight? Yeah, so I was actually uh, watching the CBS news coverage of the debate last night, and what they were saying was that, you know, they thought that it was Trump's strategy to try to, you know, be as bombastic as possible in order to throw Biden off his game, make him lose his train of thought. And that it was, you know, more so Biden's strategy to try to avoid this by speaking to the American people, which he saw when he broke the fourth wall a few times to make addresses straight to the American people. Um, I don't know if it played out in Trump's favor necessarily, because it seems like nobody has a certain definition of uh, a certain definition of what they would say was a clear winner of that debate. But it'll be interesting to see how that's going to come into effect in the upcoming debate. Yeah, um, and you talk about those upcoming debates, Finn. Uh, really quickly, tell people. I know we have a vice presidential 
debate between Kamala Harris and Mike Pence coming up next week. When can people watch that? And then what are the uh, future presidential debates looking like? Yeah, so I believe that next week um, you can watch the vice presidential debate at the Actually, I, I, I believe it's at around 9 or 10 p.m. if I'm not I'm looking that up wrong. right now. Yeah, sorry. I don't, <laughs> I no, don't have good. the exact date. No, I don't want to give people the wrong time. Yeah, but I, I believe Wednesday, uh, next Wednesday, is the vice presidential debate, and then the following two weeks after that will be the f- uh, next two uh, presidential debates where we'll, we'll see rounds two and three for uh, Trump versus Biden. Wednesday, October 7th at 9 p.m., the United States vice presidential debate. So that will be next Wednesday, same time. Um, and it'll be on every channel. I'm yeah, pretty sure. literally everyone and their mom airs it. So uh, get your popcorn. Ding, ding, ding. It's debate time again in America. Finn, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you breaking that all down for us. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Hot Topics. Join us every Wednesday at 6 p.m. for the latest entertainment, culture, food, and everything in between. Join us next week where we'll interview South Carolina band Stoplight Observations. We'll talk about what we can expect from the band as they set out on some socially distant shows. Hot Topics is a production by WUSC News and Garnet Media Group and is produced by Troy Dassing and War Jollis. You can catch other WUSC News shows on Monday and Friday at 6 o'clock p.m. and on GarnetMediaGroup.org. I'm Flynn Snyder. And I'm Trey Martin. Thanks for tuning in. And everyone, remember to keep it hot.